This is Alamo Anthem, where we, the overtaxed, remember our liberty. Direct from the forgotten countryside outside of Alamo City, San Antonio. Well, we got our letters from the Medina County Tax Assessor's Office. Did you guys get yours? Yeah. Yeah? I can tell by the Nextdoor app that it's ruffling some feathers. (laughs) (laughs) This guy, James Carrignan, said, posted, My house taxes have doubled due to the bond passage for the new schools and improvements. So he's specifically referring to, I believe, the Medina Valley bond because he's in Casterville. Yeah. You should see how many comments are on this this thread. Yeah, I just looked and there were 69. My gosh. Yeah, he, uh, I can tell he's upset about it. Uh, and then you have people saying, go file for a homestead exemption. And he's like, I already did. And then there was someone that says, you need to protest it. And he's like, how do I do that? And Did he say that? Yeah, this guy, Kevin Williams, says, you can protest the taxes. You can hire a firm to protest. Or if... What the county has your appraisal at is more than uh, what you have paid. You can also show them what you paid if it was a very recent purchase. And I guess that's true. If you just bought your house, you probably could do that. But usually they give you 30 days after they send out that letter in April to file a claim to protest. And then after that, that's it, right? Yeah. You only get that little one window. Um, yeah, this one, Tom Miller says, file a protest with the county. It's not that difficult, and you have a good chance of getting your evaluation reduced. But it's too late to do that for this year, so I feel bad for him. <laughs> How many people on Nextdoor do you think work for the city? I'm surprised. I, I wonder how many people believe that you have a good chance at having it reduced in any way that actually matters. Is it just know? like a few bucks? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe a couple years ago that that might have been the case, but in my recent experience, they don't at all. Well, Unless we did the math on yours. serious damage, and then they'll be like, okay, you know, we'll take a little bit off, but it's like, okay. It's it's nickels and cents, really. I mean, and then even the 100,000 homestead exemption increase or whatever, the forty to 100,000, the new law. We did your house, remember? It was like $33 yeah, <laughs> that you saved. saved $33 a month. <laughs> Thanks, Governor Abbott. Yay, the biggest home. Or, <laughs> the biggest property tax cut in history. Yeah. <laughs> um, this Elizabeth Parker says, mine dropped because of the $100,000 homestead exemption from last year. And then Travis Ferris replies, it helped. It definitely helped. We brought our house. We bought our house in January, so of course the county used that as an opportunity to jack our valuation. Yeah, feel bad. That was not a good year to buy. That's a shout out to James Carnignan. I hope I'm saying that right. Probably. How not. would you say that? Carrignan. Carrignan. James Carrignan. Shout out to you, man. We feel you. Mine has gone up significantly. Um, I bought my house in 2016 um, in Casterville. And it is, I was looking back at the taxes and it went from 1500 a year, 7000 a year, something like that. It was really 1500 when Something you like it? that. It was really low. That I was, was surprised amazing. because it was in 2016. It's almost been 10 years, you know. Did you buy it from somebody old? Do you know? Oh, you know what it was? That's right. We bought it from a disabled vet. That's why. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's probably why. 
Well, we had it as our homestead exemption. Now it's a rental, so now it's way up. <laughs> right. Yep. So. so so high up that they almost foreclosed on you because you were oh, paying yeah. it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's right. I had to go pay the difference because we moved our homestead exemption to our house right. in Divine. But, Needless yeah. to say, James, you will not find more sympathetic people than us. Yeah. True that, topic. man. And we would love to have you on. I hope you uh, listen and tune in and... You guys, we really want to hear back from our viewers. We will tell you the email shortly. What do you got for us, Joe? I also wanted to mention something from Nextdoor. Well, sort of from Nextdoor. Just a really quick shout out. Um, Ellers Auto moved from Castroville, and it's now between Dunley and Castroville. And we like that business. And so I just want to let people know that if they can't find it in Castroville, that it's just on 90... Um, the north side of 90, just uh, between Dunley and Gasterville. Oh. So that's if you get anybody looking for a car mechanic. They mm-hmm. do a good job and they're really fair. They get back to you with exactly what they're going to charge you and uh, and they're quick. So. Yeah. I just, um, I was really impressed last time because I brought them a car that wasn't running on a trailer that doesn't really have a very good ramp. <laughs> and so it was this whole debacle of like trying to get it off, but they were just, they saw me struggling with the trailer, trying to find a good place. <laughs> and they came out and, uh, you know, they helped me and got it all figured out. And they were really good about it and just really helpful. And to me, I think that's like one of the most important things is just, it's like problem solving with you and being helpful. And they've been really good about it. If I say, I want to buy an aftermarket part or I want to buy this part like from this place and you know, bring it to them, they'll put it in. And anyway, so they're, they're really, we like their service. Yeah. Well, thanks for telling us because I actually have something that I need to go get looked at. So maybe I'll check them out. All right. Well, you wanted to talk about Texit. Yeah. First of all, Texit refers to uh, Texas. Exit. Exit from the union. Or I guess it's the Texas nationalist movement. Right? Is that what the T and M? Yeah, they're they're the ones that are really pushing it. And so Texit, that's kinda like kinda like Brexit, right? When uh-huh. they left the EU. What are your thoughts on it? I do have one thought. <clears throat> I guess though and I haven't like been reading stuff about it or anything. So this is just a very sort of uh zoomed out, you know, uninformed question I guess I have on it. And that is just I wonder if the Texas state government would be any better. Um, I would hope so. And I think that more competition between governments so that they have to treat their citizens a little bit better if they want them as taxpayers is always going to be good. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they, they seem just like, you know, what's the saying about tigers and stripes? <laughs> that they don't change them? Yeah, you know? So just like any other government, anything that they can get you, you know, get from you, they will. And um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. No, I, I hear you. And I think, but it, it's, to me, it's one of those things where it's like, we just have no idea because over the years, the states have uh, ceded all of their um, sovereignty to the federal government for, you know, a couple hundred years now. Well, I guess Texas is kind of a late adopter into the union but so it's it's to me it's like hard to know because they're gonna have to answer all the questions of okay this is what the federal government says to do now are we gonna keep them that way or are we gonna do things a little bit different 
and I mean, I, I share the similar um, concerns. I think one thing just right out the gate that we could have a pretty good idea of is I think that immediately the border would become more closed. Yeah, that, that, that was one of the things that I thought was a pro. It would cut out the federal government, you know, from the from the border issue, which would allow us to do what we wanted to do with the border, right? which would benefit Texans. Here's another. I mean, I guess I just this thought isn't very well uh, organized, but I always wonder if, let's say, any state separated from the union in this what I think is probably a fantasy world, then what happens because of the United States military? You know, like oh, I have the answer to that. Okay, <laughs> let me find it. This ought to be rich. <laughs> no, I it has like um. They invade. <clears throat> I mean, it seems like they could bully anybody. I'm trying to find it on their website. They I remember reading it. <laughs> I'm sure they would never. <laughs> they would never. But they the have. Threat. <laughs> they have like uh their own website, the Texas National Movement. I'm trying to find it, but I remember reading back here, and I will find it in just a second. Um, they have like frequently asked questions, and one of the frequently asked questions is about the military. Yeah. So. Well, one thing that I would say about the military is, it is a very interesting question because. My understanding of, uh, you know, with the Civil War is that the South seceded and then they said, okay, you know, we're, we're not in this country anymore. And then the North continued to um, go to and supply military bases that were in the South, different forts, and, or the federal government, I should say. And they, that is kind of what started the conflict or what exacerbated it into, into a, a hot conflict. And so my automatic thought has always been like, well, I mean, San Antonio is military city, right? That's what they call it. Got all these bases. But then I was thinking, well, the U.S. has bases all over the world. You know, it's not like they only have military bases in, uh, you know, in the, in the United States. And so it, it seems like it could be something that would be like, well, we'll just lease this land to you and you could have a base here and we'll continue to, you know, be employed, but we'd be foreign nationals instead of citizens and that sort of thing. And so, I mean, it seems like you could work anything out in like today's age, as long as everyone was willing to work it out, which is the big question. Don't you think that the moment though, that the federal government lost all of the Texas citizens taxes, (laughs) then the Texas government would be, they're ready to receive those that same amount of taxes just straight into their own hands. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, so that I, seems really infuriating to me. I don't know if it makes me feel yeah like it would be better, or or just an added measure of. Well, that's know. the importance of kind of working things out ahead of time, right? Like, well, how is this going to work? Like, I, I think it would be a, I think it would be a mistake, or it would at least be. Um kind of a a wild card if we were to be like we secede and then okay now let's figure things out instead of having it all lined up ahead of time right because i'm sure if this were ever to actually take place then the texas government (laughs) ahead of time would create 
every single program that the federal government already has, like a social security type program and stuff like that. Because they're like, okay, now you're a part of this. And then, I guess now that I think, I'm just thinking it through out loud right here. Sure. But like, then all the, it would probably be really hard to get enough people's support because then the U.S. government would be like, okay, well, you're not citizen, so you don't get your social security. Like for all the citizens who are like in their 50s approaching that age and stuff like that. I'm sure it would just, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, there's ways, I, I feel like there would be ways to, like I said, so for instance, if you said, well, we're going to lease all of this land that the U.S. military is using, and so then we'll say we're going to create a fund directly from the proceeds from that to uh, ensure Social Security payments to seniors or whatever. Like, like, And then also, like you said, there's going to be all the, those taxes on the table. So then it's like, okay, well, Texas can keep the social security ponzi scheme alive just as well as the federal government can you know as long as they get those tax receipts so the more we talk about this the more i hate it the more you hate texas secession the idea of it okay why i think i'd prefer the idea of a a, an enemy that's more foreign and far away than one right here really (laughs) here's my even though it's not like rational you know i just don't like hating my neighbors i guess you know (laughs) i mean i don't hate my neighbors but i mean my figurative texas congressional neighbors you know i just i don't know i mean i feel like that's kind of the that's the thing about the government being far away is that it could be like well it's out of our hands you know and i think that that's why state legislatures continuously give up power to the federal government because then they can point to someone else and say, well, it's not our fault. They did it. And it's the same thing with the legislature and in the federal government with the executive branch where they say, oh, we want to uh, create this bureau that's going to like regulate the environment. So go, <laughs> go and do that executive branch. And then the executive branch is like, okay. And so then they create this bureau <laughs> And That's then a they could, Oceana in 1984. Yeah. Then they could just do whatever they want and just keep on piling the rules on higher. And they said, oh, Congress told us to do it. Congress told us to do it. And so then Congress is like, well, you know, we, we empowered them to create this bureau. But, you know, it's the executive branch. They're the ones that are doing it. Here's what I think perfect would happen. There's a possibility. Um, that is a pro. The second it passes, you'd get an exodus of a lot of people and an incoming of a lot of people. Hmm. So, yeah, don't you think? Yeah, between Texas and the other states. Yeah, because a lot of people would be against it and they'd be like, I am not living with a bunch of conservative, Bible-toting, (laughs) gun-right activists. I'm out of here. So they would leave immediately. And then you get a lot of people like, I really want to live with gun-toting Bible, you know, yeah. thumping. They want the culture of the United States without the full kind of military-industrial complex, yeah. like, or whatever problems that you have with the federal government, you would get, you know, you'd still be, like, among people that are your people, like yeah. Americans, kind of. Well, more libertarian-minded. Like, yeah, they but, value the Constitution, they value First right. Amendment, they value the Second Amendment, you know, those kind of religion. Those kind of things. But even if it wasn't like, you know, even politically, you know, there's a culture in the United States. Like, it's different than other countries, you know, regardless of what somebody's politics are. 
And so it's like, oh, I could still live in the United States, or I could still live among this culture, but... Um, be but in a different country. But it's in a different country. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like going to the new world from England. Yeah. Right? That's why. Okay. So that's that. And then that, secondly, a new opportunity of like starting over. Yeah. Um, on their Instagram page, the Texas National Movement said, federal red tape is stifling Texas innovation. And I thought that is a good point. Like you mentioned cutting out the EPA, cutting mm. out the, uh, what were the other things? USDA. USDA, the FDA, the, uh, I don't know. Every combination of letters you can think of. The CIA. CIA. I'm sure there would be another CIA. IRS, I'm sure there'd be another one I'm sure the CIA would still be. I think their first order of business, (laughs) government. practically welcome the CIA. I'm sure the CIA is behind this, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we know that they have been to Dallas before. Oh, Joe, you conspiracy <laughs> theorist. Who was that, Kennedy? Yeah. Is that where you're, oh, okay. Uh, you're going there, huh, Joe? I'm going. Yeah, we can talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> what were you just saying? Oh, the EPA, blah, blah, blah. Just yeah. all the red tape, you know, the old, the big government program, like the bureaucracy of right. the United, that, the stuff that's not in the Constitution. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm not a farmer. We know a couple farmers, um, but I would think that the USDA just really has their nose in the business of texas i would think totally you know mm-hmm. um yeah yep speaking of which we got to get galen our farmer friend on the show i think we need to do that sooner than later pura vida farms yeah right pura <clears throat> the, pura vida pura vida, pura vida farms <laughs> <laughs> now it just sounds like we're making fun of it no, she's the best. She's, we love their farm. She's done an amazing job with that farm. It, it's an all-organic, non-GMO farm, which she works very hard to yeah. to keep up. And her milk is very good. It is very good. We're going right to get some this month. Yeah. Are you? Yeah, we're going to go milk or cows. Back to TM, Texas National Movement. Um, so that part I do like. I like the fact that we have an opportunity if we... We would have to have really strong leadership that would be very, like, firm and not allowing big government. We would have to have a huge surplus of libertarians move in. Yeah. Do you know what? Oh, it would have to start out, like, the most fundamental part of all of it, and, and everyone would have to understand this, is, like, we're not we're not making any more organizations. Yeah. No more, no, none, no auxiliary, anything. Makes you wonder, like, what would education be like? There'd be no Department of Education. So is there not also a Texas Department of Education? There must be. I it, don't know. It would know. just be in charge. Let me see. I'm going to Google it right now. So to me, it's like uh, there is a, I think this is from like a comedy bit. I think it may have been Dave Smith, but <laughs> he's like talking about how in the 2014 election that there was a, that it was, you know, it was between Hillary and uh, and Trump, right? And it was kind of this thing where it's like, well, you can have Hillary Clinton and everybody knows what you're getting there, right? And then, or you can have what's in the box <laughs> with Trump. And because uh, it was kind of a mystery, right? Like he's this, he yeah. wasn't a politician before. Though if you do like go back and in his interviews, he, w- he was pretty consistent, I would say, of the things that he said that he wanted to do. But uh, so, and everybody was just like, let's go with what's in the box because we don't want Hillary. We know what that is. And I, I kind of feel like it's the same where it's like, we know what we get with the federal government. Like we've been living in it for a long time 
and it's kind of a mystery like what would happen if we seceded but i think the fact that they were willing to do that to go with what's in the box says really good things about the general mental health of the citizenry you know or the because opposite. the alternative <laughs> no because the alternative is like no let me just stick with this abusive boyfriend at least i know who they are and it's familiar sure. to me yeah you know? they're more based right they have that basis of right <laughs> of uh I mean, I know, Confidence. I know he murders his girlfriend sometimes, you know, but, uh, you know, the abusive boyfriend who is Hillary oh, Clinton, Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh yeah. But he probably won't murder me. Why are you, you calling know? her him? What difference does it oh, make? Sh- <laughs> the analogy. <laughs> you weren't paying attention. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I found this article on Zero Hedge. Um, the headline is. Texit progress secession question expecting to appear on 2024 primary ballot by Tyler Durden. And one of the things I hadn't even just, thought wait, of. Wait, wait, let's just pause for a second. Tyler Durden is a pen name from the guy that writes on Zero Hedge. That's okay. all. Yeah. Because it's from a movie. It's a, well, what it's do I a, have to say? I, have to, I mean, it's still <laughs> what it says. It's Emily laughed and she looked at me funny like, what's going on with that? Oh. It's just that you said it f- like seriously, like because like, well, I don't know that. It's I like, didn't know that. and this is by uh, Donald Duck. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Michelle's never heard of Donald Duck. Just keep going. Or, I have too. I grew up with Donald Duck, <laughs> but you yeah. haven't heard of Tyler Durden. That I have not heard of. Who is he? He's a character from Fight Club, the movie. How have I not seen that movie? Oh man! Oh, I know. You how. were just a little bit too old when it came out. All right, here's the quote, pull quote from that article. It says, and something I not thought of, which is what the ramifications. Oh, yeah, you know me. The ramifications to the rest of the country, if it happened. Listen to this quote. If Texas eventually withdraws from the union, other states will suddenly realize they need to follow. If Texas announces a future independence date, red states will have a choice to make. Stay in a union dominated by blue states or follow Texas's lead. Since a Republican can't win a presidential election without Texas electoral votes, the red states will have to follow Texas to avoid the tyranny, perversion, and bankruptcy that incompetent Democratic rule will bring to the remainder of the U.S., even if those states, even if these states haven't favored secession until presented with this dilemma. I did think about the fact that a, a federal election couldn't be won without Texas. Right. And I didn't know what to think about that. Okay, so it, I think that that's a fallacy. It's the same fallacy of when they, they say that demographics are destiny, right? Say, oh, well, this group of people that we identify by the color of their skin, they vote Democrat. And so the more of these people come into the country, the more it will just be Democrat forever. But then it's like, you know, how many... Of how much of the black vote did Trump gain in the last? It's like things change. Is all I'm saying. Numbers. Yeah, record numbers. And then it's the same with like states turning purple or or flipping or whatever. Is that deep blue states and deep red states? They they are that way because most of the people that are the opposite um, political affiliation, as the state goes. They just don't vote. They're like, well, what's the point? You know, Idaho's going to go red. I'm not going to vote. Or if they vote, it's like symbolic. You know what I mean? And so it's like, it's hard to know exactly what's going to happen in the future. You can't just like lay down blanket. Though I do agree that it's compelling, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, imagine if California was no longer in the Mm. union, you know, what would that do to the Democrat party? 
right? In as far as federal government goes. Well, and, and what you might see in California is like maybe there would be a movement to split the state up. Well, I guess that. Well, would if be... they weren't a part of the union, if yeah. they left, right? Then the Democrats would just go would have a red, weakness. blue, red, blue, it red, would. blue. <laughs> I can't help but think about how much richer the rest of the United States would be <laughs> because of all the federal money that goes back to California all the time. That yeah. would really be amazing. They produce a lot of money too. Like you, there are places that you can go to see like the net flow of money between, like from yeah. states. Yeah, and it goes to the rest of the country, or it stays there. It goes to the rest of the world. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> if you just say like, besides the rest of the world, yeah. though, <laughs> the movies go to the rest of the world. The agriculture goes to the rest of the world. Right. Well, I mean, that's funny because the it's freedom like, goes to the rest of the world. When Trump the won, taxes go to the rest. <laughs> It might be the time for it because um, when Trump won in 2014. You mean 2020? What? 2016. Oh, no, 2016. No. I do. I keep on saying 2014. I think I'm thinking of the... 2019. No, I said 2014 <laughs> first. <laughs> All right, 2030. <laughs> I think I said 2014 earlier. You did. Um, Don't but, listen to Emily. Yeah. Just go. But it was 2016, the 2016 election. What was I talking about? Oh, just that, Trump that, won the 2017 right. election. Keep going. <laughs> well, he's inaugurated in the in 2017. That's for sure. That, that's when like everyone t in California was like, "We should break away from the." It's not my president, you know. Yeah. So it's like we could get the perfect storm of Texas <laughs> if Trump won the election, and then Texas seceded, and then California is like, "What? <laughs> I'm not gonna be." Though they would have hope that they would win the next election if Texas seceded. Yeah, so, but that's right. Um, maybe maybe California will go first. And maybe California will fund Texas. <laughs> yeah, I just like that we're talking about it. And so this is kind of a point, the point that uh, the guy, uh, president of TNM, which is the Texas National Movement or Nationalist Movement, um, said... And he said, because one of the criticisms they get is like, why are you even talking about this? Nobody wants it. Like, so just shut up about it already type of a thing. Like, stop bringing it up. And he said, placing the question on the ballot brings clarity. If, as our detractors say, this is a fringe issue that no one supports, then they should have no resistance to this question being asked of Republican voters. In fact, they should be some of the strongest supporters. If what they say is true, then the results will show that will show that fact, and Texas will be a dead issue in the party for a generation. Uh, so that was TNM. Uh, the president is Daniel Miller. Yeah. So, and then he said, um, "Let the people of Texas have their say. If no one believes in it, then you can shut me up. <laughs> then you get to shut me up." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Emily has an issue with it, and we were kind of talking about it. And I know why you have an issue, but do you want to talk about what your biggest problem is? With well, it? I don't know what you're getting at, but I have another thought. Uh, okay, I'll come back to I don't know what mind. you're talking about. <laughs> but we talked about it earlier. I put words in my mouth. The thought I was just having is how, so for as long as I can remember, uh, because uh, we used to live in Washington State, they've had this fight between the west side of the Cascades, which is like a very s relatively smaller sliver of uh, Washington. Is it a sliver? Am I exaggerating when I say it's a sliver? What uh, is it, like a Western fifth? Western Washington? Yeah. Yeah, I maybe. don't know. It's maybe a fifth. Okay, like so like a land. fifth of the state dominated by, you know, it's just the Seattle area basically, right? Is uh, one part, and then 
like everyone on the east side of the Cascades wants to be another part. Am I, is this accurate what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, It's yeah, always been yeah. my impression. Yeah, that there's between like Between western a, and eastern Washington. Right, there's been talk in the past of splitting it into two states because it really, like, because the Cascade Mountains runs um, down the, kind of down the middle-ish. Um, and it's like, but the Cascades are really close to the Puget Sound. So it's, so yeah. in terms of actual geography, the yeah. area that dominates the entire state isn't very big. Right. And so the eastern Washingtonians always feel bullied and pushed around right. by Seattle. Yeah. Uh, you know, all their policies and stuff like that. And what happens is that they'll they'll pass statewide taxes to fund things in Seattle. So they're going to put in a new highway. So everybody has to pay, you know, a tax. Or they're going to put in a new stadium and so everybody gets a fast food tax and that sort of thing right but one thing that you brought up joe a few minutes ago was how uh in terms of public schools in washington the way that they get their funding from the state it's all equal so wait 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 uh i i believe what it is 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 just about teacher pay just teachers what about administrators um that's a good question okay well there's something that's that's made equal in the school system uh throughout the entire state no matter whether you're in king county or you're over in one of those counties in like near the tri-cities or something and uh, <laughs> yeah, i don't know is that over there or yeah. is that south no it's over there or north <laughs> anyway and so uh i was thinking you know because when people seem really passionate about something and it's like year after year and it seems like it's picking up you know, in popularity, like that type of issue, you wonder why. <clears throat> why does it never happen then? And when you said that, that's what came to mind for me. It was like, I thought, oh, teachers union, same, like evened out pay, no matter what county you're in, that's why it doesn't happen. Like, right. I feel like we found, we finally found the hidden, the mystery has been, you know, unlocked. Yeah. Well, I'm right? sure, and I'm sure there's, more multiple things like that you right know? but mean, it's that be... there's enough people who benefit from some circulated you know socialist system right right of money on the eastern side and that's why they never actually yeah. break off let me give you another example of that um so a lot of times you'll see different unions labor unions um they will really get behind um like a increasing the minimum wage and it's like well why do they want to do that it's like oh because we just care about workers even if they're not in our union we want everybody to have a fair wage well what it really is um is that a lot of contracts uh the pay is based partially on um, some improvement on the minimum wage so if the minimum wage goes up automatically the people in the union will get the a similar raise from it because it's just a like oh we're gonna pay at least fifteen dollars more than the minimum wage or something like that you're and saying no matter how much money they already are getting in their salaries it's gonna go up that the, there's some part of the calculation is based on the minimum wage and for so, people in unions for people in unions oh, interesting and so if the payment if the minimum wage goes up then their pay goes up as well and so mm -hmm. it's like i don't see why they if there's a state minimum wage you know, they're going to want to push that up, you know, starting in King County or right. whatever. Okay. So. Well, back to T&M. When Emily and I were discussing this, she said, I have some reservations about it. And I started thinking about what mine were. And mine 
go back to not trusting the la- the loss of trust that I have for Texas leadership and just these last few years with an increase of property taxes, they have not shown very good leadership. I mean, this bill that they just passed recently in November wasn't enough in my opinion. And I expected more from a conservative so-called quote unquote conservative state to do something to offset the property taxes, taxes. They have more than enough money. And so if they're, if they're going to exit the United States, we would have to have a really good leader, someone like Elon Musk or somebody who has principle. Cause you just, you know, you hope that someone I've learned this the hard way, even though someone's conservative, I don't know very many libertarian leaders, but conservative leaders, they are, they can be sellouts. They can be sellouts. And in this case with Texas, I would not want to be in a country with a bunch of rhino Republican good old boys with what they've shown me in the last 10, almost 10 years I've lived here. It hasn't been impressive at all. I keep thinking more about this, uh, you know, how a tiger doesn't change its stripes analogy for government and how it's like asking the government to not keep on taking more from you would, would be like asking... You know, like like a predator, like a tiger. Please donate me. Yeah. Can you just, uh, you know, lay off a little? Just, uh, you know, like, can you fast once a week? Eat one less deer a week? I made you, know, you could the you do salad. It? Maybe you could have that. <laughs> Maybe you should start eating bugs, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Better for you anyway, supposedly. Well, and I know. I mean, look at the bear. Bear eats bugs. <laughs> Bears. They eat yellow jackets. Bugs. Oh, good beetles and berries berries that's why they're called berries well so people might ask well what's what would be the the solution to the property tax debacle you want to know what it is yeah it's already written for us utah utah tax system their property tax system it's the most superior in my opinion well that you know of right well, so far, I mean, you're here's saying an article. it's the best solution in in the scenario that we still don't actually have private property rights. Because right. as long as there is a property <laughs> tax, we don't have private property. It's true. Right. Yeah. What Emily means is that no matter what, if you have your house pay out, paid off, you're always going to have to pay taxes, which is like paying rent forever to the yeah. government. Right? Right. Right. It's I not would, really yours. I would Because r- if you don't pay it, you get kicked off. Yeah. I would right. rather pay the same in taxes but have it be assessed in different ways than to have it tied to my property. Right. And they do it because that's where you have almost, almost a hundred percent of the time. That's your biggest asset. Yeah. And so they know that you're going to do anything to protect it. And so that's the easiest way to bully people. And you have, um, it's, it's a way to get taxes from everybody, everybody, like nobody can avoid, you have to live somewhere. And if you live somewhere, then you're paying property tax, even if you're renting. I mean, the, I your, disagree. your landlord is just passing that cost on to you, or at least partially. It goes you up could, and down. But uh, It's unfair, because you could put like 500 people in a house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you'd be paying taxes, but it's like, I think the best yeah, way, but you're the still best paying tax it. system is sales tax. It, it's yeah. Everybody pays the same. It hurts the poor pro- disproportionately, but yeah. at least everyone like pays the, the same tax amount. better than income tax? Yeah. I do. How come? You, uh, go ahead. I have reasons, but go ahead. Why do I like sales tax better than income tax? Because everyone buys stuff. 
See, my my reason is the opposite, which is because you can choose not to buy stuff. Like that's right. You could be like, well, you could choose to just work less and earn less money. Yeah, that's true. But that's dumb. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that, like, let's say, like, if you if you fall on hard times, right, or if you want to save up for something, then you could just consume less, you know. But you can't live somewhere less you know like you can't tighten your belt when it comes to your property taxes you could burn down part of your house yeah it's true you could still be paying property tax no matter what but you'll pay less yeah you can graffiti it up (laughs) nice maybe maybe knock out a couple maybe exterior try explaining that demo part of it i don't even think you would i think they'd be like well that's what it was last year they would have to they would they would would, yeah for that (laughs) found that one that's fair just uh (laughs) Knock out a couple of the supports under your house. You know, I'd like give to it a see, nice little tilt. I mean, I wouldn't because things would have to be so bad for anything like that to ever happen. But in my mind, I think I would like to see the day when people go in. I guess someone just has to write a story about it. It has to be fantasy. But people go into their pro- to protest their property taxes and they're like, well, I've gotten rid of the kitchen and I did I did the other things that you said I had to do in order for me to be able to afford what you're making me pay but i'm just down to all we have is one toilet and and one room in our house like do we really you know <laughs> something where yeah. people are piece by piece destroying their own property in order to be able to have somewhere where they get to be Jeez. like why don't you go just uh live in a bunker and uh <laughs> eat bugs like, I wonder how you that's, can't... that's how the <laughs> cave houses become popular <laughs> how there's cave houses in new mexico and arizona and places right. like they that say. oh yeah yeah um, well, I mean, that is like a thing, right? It's So we're joking about making your house look dumpy in order to avoid taxes. Or like, actually, we're not saying to make it look that way. We're saying to actually make, make it, it dumpy. Make it actually be that way. Through and through. But it's like, that goes into the calculus of people if they're deciding like, well, do I want to do landscaping? Do I want to make this nice? Last time I did it, they raised my taxes. So I'm just not going to do that anymore. And so you get less beautiful housing you know, which I think is ironically one of the only uh, things that is positive about it, <laughs> you know, because sometimes I think about other places where the property taxes are pretty low. Like, Michelle, you brought up Utah. Yeah, They have relatively low property taxes compared to other places. And uh, and they are in a constant race against their neighbors, you know, like just classically keep trying to keep up with the Joneses. And it is one of my favorite things about Texas and it's funny because that's probably the thing that is most people's least favorite thing about Texas is when you come, it just looks kind of dumpy, you know, when you're used to seeing other states where they don't have these terrible property taxes. Or another example, if you look at houses, you just go on Redfin or Zillow and look at houses in like Savannah, Georgia, every house is beautiful. The property taxes are so low, hmm. you know, because yeah. they can afford to make things beautiful. And they don't yeah. get punished if they do. Right. Yeah. Well, here's this article um, from the American Legislative Exchange Council, and it says Utah's Truth in Taxation for Property Taxes uh, by uh, Howard Stevenson, and it was on July 23rd, 2019. So this is a relatively old article, but I I think it makes a good point. It says, Truth in Taxation is Utah's most taxpayer-friendly law. In some ways, it's even better than California's Proposition 13. The measure was enacted in 1985 at the request of the Utah Taxpayers Association and the Tax Commissioner, Gary Cornea, 
who worked with the Association of Counties to provide a solution to taxpayer unrest from ever-increasing property taxes. While truth in taxation does technically limit property taxes, it makes local elected officials think twice about increasing property tax rates because they all they know all citizens will be notified of the increase and its potential impact on their property. They also know that they will have to hold a broadly advertised public hearing where citizens can sound off about the proposed tax hike. It also is a revenue-driven system, not a rate-driven system. So generally, as valuations of existing property increase from county assessors' annual adjustments of taxable property values to keep pace with the market values, property rates decrease. That's what makes it such a great system. Yeah, that's great. So in other words, it's not based off of the rate. Well, like, so as the market goes up and your price of houses go up, the rates go down to even out the revenue. It's They're not in it to get profit. They're there just to get, you know, what they need to get to use the budget. And so I'm impressed because I know Utah is one of the, especially Utah County is one of the highest per capita child. Right. So it's a lot of children that they have to educate and they manage to keep the property taxes low in spite of that. This truth and taxation law popped up because, um, of the unrest as a result of unrest from ever increasing property taxes yeah. back in now, the eighties. I'm pretty sure that Connor Boyack helped uh, get that legislation passed. And for those of our, us who don't know who Connor Boyack he is, Connor Boyack is a uh, libertarian in oh. Utah from Utah, and he writes um, total twin books. Yep, he writes like children's books to help teach free market principles and stuff like that to kids. And uh, they're doing a great job of just trying to get like this. I mean, and I think he's working on curriculum and stuff like that, but just to get these ideas spread, you know, and even into public schools. I I know I saw one article where he did get these books into a school in Texas, actually. I was really surprised. Hmm. So that's exciting. But yeah, he just spreads. They also just on their website, like Liberty Ideas. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, they have, uh, you know, bills that they're trying to get passed in the legislature and so they do a lot of kind of like advocacy they write legislation and try to yeah try to get it passed and it's i think it's great especially stuff like that where you can kind of and i know the libertarian party has done this too where they kind of like they'll they'll get something passed in the state and then they're like okay this is the model and you can you know take this to your state now and uh try different things um and I, I think to me that's kind of the opportunity of Texit is to say, let's uh, let's look at every single state, let's see how they're doing it, and let's see if because it will be an opportunity yeah. to just like do things a little bit differently. Well, remember when the founders established the United States, they went through and read all the democracies and re- republics from the past and mm. what they did right mm-hmm. and then what they did wrong. And they weeded out the things they did wrong and tried to establish a thing, you know, a country with all the good from all the previous civilizations. So we would do the same thing. That is an incredible amount of work and dedication. It is. But yeah. I think Connor Boyack might be able to be, come together to do it. Connor Boyack may be the guy. I would just yeah. went to your web, his website when you said that. And this is what he says. Um, says, I'm the author of 42 books, including the popular Tuttle Twins series. I founded and am president of Libertas Institute, 
a high-impact think tank. I'm an executive producer of the Tuttle Twins show. I'm an investor in a few high-impact startups. I'm an outlaw beekeeper, contraband, honey tastes better. <laughs> I'm addicted wait, wait, to changing. Wait, wait, pause right there. I want to say something. Actually, I'll come back to it. Keep going. I'm addicted to changing the world for the better. Let's bring him here in Texas, shall we? Yeah. He said liberty won't defend itself. So that yeah. we need to be Connor Boyack here. Yeah, we you need know? to bring him, Elon Musk, who's already here. All the greats, bring him here. No, I'm saying, like, we need to replicate. Oh. I just want to say something about the contraband honey thing before I forget. <laughs> I read an article the other day that talked about a study that had been done where they found that, at least in the what, the stuff that they've tested, 70% of store-bought honey is fake. Mm, how? Mm. Fake or adulterated. Fake or adulterated. They're probably using corn syrup and you other things. You mean they committed adultery to get that <laughs> honey? What does adulterated mean? Well, you know, you've heard of like honey pots, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> honey from China. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Epstein honey. <laughs> so have you guys been hearing these rumors about The Office coming back? The show The Office? Yeah. No. Were you a fan? Of course. I loved The Office. Who did you who's your favorite character on that show? I mean, other than Jim? Yeah. Um, Jim was your favorite. I mean, how can he be anyone's not favorite? Mine was Dwight by far. <laughs> yeah. I, I love Dwight. In fact, I always thought Jim they... is Jerry and Dwight is Kramer. Yeah, maybe. Except that Kramer's more likable than yeah. Dwight. But yeah. More like Newman. Except yeah, he's like, like a, a combination of George Newman and Dwight, or uh, Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> Everything annoying put into yeah. Dwight. But I yeah. love Dwight because um, <laughs> everything about it makes me laugh so hard. But I thought it was brilliantly written, and he could have almost started his own show. Like, I I think they would have been, he would have been smart if he would have signed on for, like, Dwight Schrute Farms, like right. as a... Yeah. You know how they did Cheers? You still need And a, then Frasier? He yeah. would have to and bring Frazier a Jim went, along, though. He would still need someone like no, Jim. No, it would be Angela, and then he'd have Moe's. Moe's was the best. Well, but they're, but the, 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 they're all because... too wacky. You need a straight yeah. man. Uh-huh. You need a straight okay. man. Okay, I'm yeah. sure they'd find somebody. Someone yeah. for everyone to really love. Not but there was enough about. weird people no, I know. in that. But it's, it's uh, you need he a He would be the normal one. <laughs> <laughs> he would become the normal one. Moe's would be the weird one. And then Angela. You know, yeah. the guy that played Moe's, he was one of the producers of The Office, and he hated it. They always were like, okay, you're going to be Moe's in this. And he's like, Ugh. he hated it so bad. Yeah, he yeah. said he always got hurt every time. And it was always hot. Comedy. Like, yeah. he always... Uh, <laughs> I watched a whole thing about it. He hated it, but he did such a great job. I loved it so much. No, did you see Shrek? I think it was four where Rumpelstiltskin was in it. Did you see that one? Mm, well, not really. I think funny, you have kids. Just, just really quick. Just the funny thing about that is that one of the writers was like, <laughs> no, you got to do it like this. And he would like, oh, I'm Rumpelstiltskin. And like, he would like do the voice and everything. And he's like, would be in the like writer's room, like jumping up and down and stuff. And then eventually they're just like, you need to play that part. And so he's not even an actor or anything. They just like he's it's just like one Larry of the writers. David yeah, and Seinfeld when he would always throw himself in as uh, the New York Yankees, whatever head what, George. Oh, uh, uh, Steinbrenner. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> he never back... saw his face. It was just his voice. Well, I think that rarely is there a show that has a sequel on you know like a TV yeah. series that actually is successful. 
they've tried it with like Arrested Development and it did horribly. Yeah. Uh, did you guys ever see the new ones? We saw some of them. They're I don't so know. dumb. They're, they seem to like, I don't know if our uh, standards got higher or if theirs got lower, but I just, I just feel like, ah, I don't want to watch this. It's a little too raunchy. Yeah. It wasn't that great. Yeah. The only one that I have seen that's been successful is honestly Frasier with yours. What about you, Emily? Can you think of any show that was successful after it got rebooted? No. No. <laughs> I just think that The Office, they're going to try to come back and like it's not going to be funny. Do you know what the worst example was ever of anything? What? Uh, so you remember the movie Willow? Yeah. Uh, George, George Lucas movie, by the way. Um, Loved Lu- Willow. So, so they uh, rebooted it on Disney Plus as like a TV show. Mm-hmm. It was so bad. There was no second season, obviously, and they took it down. Like, you can't even watch it anymore. Uh, That's just... how bad it was. It's <laughs> embarrassing to them. Yeah. <laughs> it should like, be. I mean, have you seen the crap that's on that, you know, network? Anyway. I, I think... know we've talked about this before. I'm not sure if we've talked about this on the show or not, but I just feel like the creativity is, like, lagging in Hollywood. They just have nothing. Yeah. They've got nothing, so they keep breathing. <clears throat> because they... they're not allowed to make whatever jokes they want and say whatever things. It's just a censorship. Yeah. Well, it gets it... less and less funny. It's... Well, do you know there's a new Back to the Future coming out? No. It I was surprised. So Bryce sent me that the YouTube video you can look it up, but it has uh, you'll never guess who plays Marty. Uh, or his son, I should say. Marty's son, T- Tom Holland. How would you you knew? No, I didn't. <laughs> it, he looks exactly That was a pure guess. He looks Wow. He looks exactly like him. Like they yeah. had him wearing the same vest and everything. Right. And I had a hard time like determining is that Michael J. Fox, or is that Tom Hall? I He looks That's so much funny. alike. And Michael J. Fox is in it, and Doc is in it. And it's like... Christopher Lloyd. And Christopher Lloyd, yeah. yeah Doc, He's in it. Yeah. Doc. I Sorry, I'm going back to why things aren't creative and funny anymore. I think it's because people can't be funny and creative uh, or creative when they're afraid. True. Right? Can you imagine being very funny if you were legitimately afraid? It's only when people, despite circumstances... I'm always funny, so <laughs> you're uh, never afraid. No, that's I what am it afraid. Means. Yeah, but I don't care. It's, well, you compartmentalize it. Yes, you overcome your fear. Right. Yeah, well, so I that's the know. thing. That's what courage is. Courage is not. Um, no, I'm just not funny. I was joking. It's not the <laughs> absence of fear. It's doing. It's overcoming fear. It's it's despite the fear, still doing what it is you want to do. Um, I think it's a confluence of things because, I mean, obviously there's the the woke mind virus and there's the fear of like bad press or whatever. Cancel culture. Cancel culture, all those things. But at the same time, like I got kind of convinced there's an interview with Quentin Tarantino where he was talking about, he's like, well, but look at the movies in the early 90s, like and how safe they were and how you just say, oh, you can't make a movie like that. But meanwhile, he's making Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction you know, from dusk till dawn. I mean, these these movies were like they really pushed the envelope. You know, way beyond what anybody would say is like a movie that you can make in Hollywood. And he did it. You know, it just you need people who are willing to just stand up to the mob. And and there are movies out there that do well. Um, they're just the big studios just aren't doing it. You know, I don't think that's the reason why there's not any good stuff coming out. Why do you think it is? I'd rather not say. Okay, I'll tell you after. Well, I'll tell you another reason why I think it is, is that it's, um, they're just looking for safety, right? Because if you're going to spend $300 million on, uh, on a movie, 
You want to make sure it makes a profit. You want to make sure it makes a profit, you know? So it's like. what the worst ones are DC. Yeah. They're it's the like, worst. You know why? They spend most of the money on effects. Yeah. And not enough on character development. Yeah, not enough on good writing. It, it seems so weird to me because it's like, compared to the other costs in a movie, how much could it possibly cost to buy a good script? To get a good script right? Like, even if you have to spend a couple years in development, writing and rewriting, getting other people in it, and, like, making sure that it's a coherent plant plot and all these things, like, it seems like the easiest thing to do in a vacuum before you're committed. Where's J.J. Abrams been? He writes. He does good movies. I haven't seen a, anything that he's done in a long time. Yeah. Wasn't one of the Everything new he's Star made, Wars liked. No, garbage? No, it was a Star Trek. Yeah. Oh. But didn't, he, did. he didn't make one of the new Star Wars? Yeah, I think he did one. Yeah. Hmm. But I, his, like almost every single one of his movies. Maybe he's older stuff. I, like. I don't know. I, I mean, well, he did TV series, right? Yeah. He did Lost. He did. Prison uh, Break. Prison Break, which is my didn't favorite. Didn't he do Alias also? Yeah, he did Alias. He did all those Fox ones. Oh, right. Yeah, and I think yeah. he did do Star Wars because that was his dream. Or, what? no, his was to do Steven Spielberg. Mm. Oh, I remember one that he did. J.J. Abrams. Super 8. Oh, yeah, that was a movie movie. Yeah. It's about those kids. It's a kind of a thriller. Not like a scary thriller, but like an adventure. Like yeah. Stranger Things kind of thing. It was kind of like the old Steven Spielberg movies like E.T., which is like Stranger Things. But. Yeah. What was your favorite Steven Spielberg movie? I don't know. Jurassic Park, I guess. Really? I don't know. I loved Goonies when I was a kid. Yeah. So what all did he do? E.T., Goonies, Jurassic Park, what else? Stand By Me. Oh, yeah. He did tons. Such a little kid when that when all that was popular. Joe's pulling it up right now. Who's your favorite director? I just said. Steven Spielberg? He's up there. J.J. J. J. Abrams. Yeah, I like yeah. his one. Who's yours? You can take it. Uh, probably Ridley Scott. I also like John Hughes, the old John Hughes movies. You know, like Breakfast Club and oh yeah, the old coming of age Breakfast in my Club. day. The Sixteen Candles. Yeah, I mean they're kind of raunchy, but yeah. <laughs> I oh, loved. Okay, so here are the highlights for Spielberg: uh, Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Raiders of the Lost. So all the Indiana yeah, Jones movies, E.T. Uh, the Color Did Purple. You're listening to this, Emily. You're <clears> asking <throat> what he's done. Empire of the Sun. Mm. I uh, liked that one. Hook. You know who's in that, was that a one? That's good one. Empire of the Sun. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, yeah, I know. That's no, why you know I who else? <laughs> Christian Bale. That's right. Really? He's the little kid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I actually didn't even remember that Brad Pitt was in it. It's that when I saw it, I liked Christian Bale, who was a little kid, and I was a little kid. <laughs> yeah. So, like, was he in Newsies, too, right? Right. Yeah. Or was it Swing Kids? Or was yeah, it both? Yeah, he's in Swing Kids. Yeah. I love that movie. Um, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, that was a big one, obviously. Amistad, Saving Private Ryan, man, he's got a lot of hits. When you guys watched Schindler's List, oh, here's List, another one. Did you make out in the theater during? <laughs> That's a Seinfeld <laughs> reference, everybody. We didn't do that. Um, Would it my... be worse or better if we weren't if we aren't Jewish? If we aren't Jewish. <laughs> if you're making out during Schindler's List, yeah. I don't think it matters. It's just... I think so it's either way, it's less sacred. Whether you're Jewish yeah. or not, it's bad for different reasons. I think. <laughs> Um, Saving Private Ryan, Minority Report. That was a good one. That was a great one. That's a Philip K. Dick book. Um, Catch Me If You Can. That's that was right. Terminal. Yeah. Mm. War of the Worlds. This is, mm. Yeah. Uh, Indian Jones. Lars Lincoln. Did you see Lincoln? I never saw that. Mm-hmm. I think of all the movies that you just listed, 
or that he did Minority Report's the best one. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. That has the best ideas. Yeah. It's the best one maybe for this time period. I think. Mm, but his 80s movies were so good. Yeah. yeah. The I adventure think... ones like Indiana Jones and right. like yeah. think... Close Encounters. He did E.T., you guys said? Yeah. yeah. So E.T. was the only movie that we had. It was VHS. <laughs> we had our VCR and yeah. we had Antenna. You know what I mean? TV, this is like for kind of a long time. And so E.T. was the movie I saw hands down the most times. Oh, really? Maybe even still to this day. Because wow. as an adult, you don't keep rewatching the same no. movies right. that much. You know? Right. No. Yeah. So, yeah. Once you get it. What's a movie that you would watch over and over again? When I was younger? Just or now. Just now? Like you'd be like, oh, I'll watch like it. Like my comfort movie? Um, I would watch Tombstone. I think that's my favorite movie. I need to movie. watch that one again. I love that movie. Yeah. I got two guns, one for each of you. Yeah, so many good lines. It's my Val Kilmer. A comfort movie that because now I hardly ever just sit down and watch it because I'll just fall asleep. But but to have on around me is Lord of the Rings, with one exception, and that's all the freaking orc noises. <laughs> Fast forward the <laughs> takes orcs. all the comfort out of it. That would put me to sleep. But you like the wonder. It's so com- the music. Yeah, I the know, music. but then then it's intermittent. So you start to fall asleep to the music, and then those orc move, <laughs> the orc noises <laughs> pop up. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would watch. Um, I would watch any of the st- original Star Wars again. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I would watch Shawshank Redemption. Movies. Yeah, my all-time favorite movie. Mm-hmm. And I would watch. Um, it's called Razor's Edge. You should watch it. It's so sounds familiar. It's a Bill Murray. But it's mm-hmm. like a serious movie for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And then one kind of, I'm not a chick flick person. I guess rom-com is what they call it nowadays. But this is one I will watch over and over again because it makes me laugh so hard. Is the one with Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock, Two Week Notice. <laughs> Never heard I've seen of that. that one. But it's funny because when you said rom-com, I thought she's probably going to name a Sandra Bullock movie. Yeah. Well, it's with, she's a liberal and he's a conservative. And that's why it's funny to me because she's mm. like this environmentalist lawyer mm-hmm. and he's this corporate, he's like a Trump figure Yeah, and she, he hires her <laughs> and he's so annoying. Like he calls her for every little thing and as she goes and like helps him with all these, anyway, it's such a funny yeah. movie. What was the name of that Sandra Bullock movie uh, with, oh, I can't remember his Keanu name. Keanu Reeves? No. No, it's where she falls in love with her fiance's brother when her, when her fiance's in a coma. Oh, uh, while you were sleeping. While you're sleeping. Oh yeah, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Sandra Bullock and uh, Brian Reynolds. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. What's, what's that one? When they're in Alaska, the proposal. Yeah, that yeah. one has the blinds that I wish we had. Yeah, in our house. that's the thing. I think <laughs> is that what we <laughs> do now, Emily? Most. When we watch movies, we look at the decorations <laughs> and stuff. It's not the decorations. It was it's the total blackout they could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they're in Alaska, so it's like sunny all like half the year. You know, it's like a lifelong pursuit. Now. No, no wish it's we the did. blinds. I, I I always think, how am I going to get those blinds someday? <laughs> I like, have to with a remote, and then it just yeah. like, closes off. <laughs> It's so fast. <laughs> you know, you can sleep anytime, presumably, if you could also make it quiet. Yeah.